Hey, great to see all you all, and uh, thanks for making the extra effort to come out to church uh, this morning. Had a great first service, uh, really did, and a uh, great crowd, and, and uh, you're a good-looking crowd. You look great. Are you, you are, are you, yeah, you look great. You look happy. I like happy people, especially when you're up here preaching. You know, it's nice to look out and see happy people. Are you ready for Christmas? Strikes fear into the hearts of mankind, like, oh no. Uh, uh, tomorrow's the day that uh, many men start their Christmas shopping, right guys? Lots of time left, eh guys? You know, oh yeah, you get all day tomorrow, and lot, lot, all those lots of time left for sure. And uh, ladies, you, need, you know, ladies, we need your help. Help us out, ladies, because we're men. <laughs> we're, we're just men, and, and, we need, and we need your help. We don't know what you want. We can't read your mind. We haven't been thinking about it since August. You know, my wife, I don't know if any other ladies do this, but like Gayla, she's, she's a 12-month-of-the-year Christmas shopper. Like she'll see things in January or July, and she'll think, I'm going to get that. You, some, some of you ladies do that, right? Like she's, you know, she's ready. She, she's, she has everything wrapped in October. Like she's, she's really ready. I, I'm more of the hustle and bustle. I like, I work better under pressure. You know, I like the kind of, uh, I kind of enjoy the next couple of days. It's kind of, kind of fun for me. That's sick, eh? A little weird. Um, I do, but ladies, we need, we need your help. We need, we need hints and uh, tell us what you want. And, and guys, you've got to know the code language, man. Like, you've got to learn the code language. If she's, you know, if you ask her, honey, what do you want for Christmas? And if she says, oh, nothing. I don't need anything. I mean, woe to the man who, who buys that lie. Like, you can't believe that, guys. You know, some of you men have tried that. You saw how that worked out, right? You said you didn't want anything, right? I, you know, when she says, I don't need anything, that's code language for... Just surprise me with something creative and outstanding that demonstrates the full measure of your love. And don't forget that I brought your kids into the world. Good luck. Right? That's what that means. Uh, Before I get into my message here this morning, just want to shout out about a couple of uh, things coming up at Moncton Weston, including uh, tomorrow night. Our very first Christmas Eve Eve. It might be the very last. It might be the one and only. You should probably come just in case it's the one and only. And then you can say, I was there that year that they they tried Christmas Eve the night before on the 23rd. Uh, Hearing lots of people looking forward uh, to the 23rd tomorrow night. And, uh, and I need your help. I need you to go out into the highways and byways and the mass of humanity and tell the world because there, there really could be lots of people out there who are just thinking Christmas Eve at Moncton Westland. Maybe they haven't heard that we've made the change and uh, they'll show up here on Christmas Eve and the place will be locked up pitch black. And so we need you to, uh, to help us get the word out on that. Um, and it's going to be kids... Uh, carols and candlelight. It's going to be, you know, what you expect uh, a Christmas Eve service to be. It's going to be a fantastic program. So I need your help in that. And I really, I want this place to be filled. And, and not so that after the fact I can say to you, I told you so. I want it to be filled so that we can share the message of Christmas, the message of Jesus Christ with 1,800 people. That's why I want this place to be filled tomorrow night. And if it's filled, I'll say, I told you so. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's going to be a beautiful night. Looking forward to it. 
Um, December the 29th, one week from today, I'm going to be preaching. And uh, that's not going to be a good Christmas uh, or a good holiday Sunday to miss because I'm going to share some thoughts about vision and where the church is going and where I'd like to see us go in 2014. So I'm going to be doing that uh, next Sunday. And uh, we did a, a big alpha promo um, there in the video announcements, but I want to give my own promo about alpha. Uh, earlier this fall, I was in Toronto for uh, inv- invited by Alpha Canada to come up with the pastors of the largest churches in Canada. And we were there for a couple of days with Alpha Canada, hearing stories of how God is using Alpha uh, really around the world in remarkable ways. It, it is a God blessed, a God-ordained um, program, the Alpha Course. It's dinner and a movie, and, uh, and it's just God is using it around the world. Um, I started the Alpha Course here at Moncton Weston uh, many, many years ago when I was on staff here, and uh, since then I've taken the Alpha Course about 30 times. Um, and I know that people always, people always come to Jesus during the Alpha Course. The lights go on, and their questions get answered, and they say, yeah, that's, I, I believe that. Just wondering this morning, those of you here in second service, uh, if you've ever attended the Alpha Course either here or at another church, if you've ever gone to the Alpha Course, would you mind just standing up right now so we can see uh, the effect and all the people that have gone through the course? That was really a trick. What we wanted to see was all the people who we can invite to Alpha. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Have a seat. Have a seat. I'm kidding about that. Um, so we're offering Alpha, begins on January the 12th. There'll be a breakfast Alpha Sunday mornings at 9.15. There'll be a, a dinner evening Alpha at uh, 5.30. And so we'll feed you, like I said, it's dinner and a movie. And so you can sign up online on our website. You can sign up by using one of the communication cards that are in the chair in front of you. Um, you can go to the group's kiosk in the lobby and sign up for Alpha. There's lots of ways to do that. We titled our Christmas series, Wonderland. Because, really for two reasons, we love the wonder of Christmas. That's one reason why we called it Wonderland. And frankly, there are parts of the Christmas story that just kind of make you scratch your head way out here somewhere. and Just kind of make you wonder, right? And, 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 and think about this stuff. In fact, many of the people in the Christmas story itself were, were wondering. Many of them were thinking, you know, what, what is God doing? What is God saying? Uh, what is God up to? And so there's a lot of wonder surrounding the Christmas story. And I was thinking this week about, about things that we wonder about and all of the Christmas story. And I was thinking, if we can believe that Dennis Rodman is doing diplomatic work in North Korea, we can probably believe in the virgin birth. Don't you think? Like, you know, God still does miracles. And uh, so we can believe that. That's not that far-fetched. We're going to read Luke's account this morning, uh, the classic Christmas story. Some of you here this morning have heard this hundreds of times. And wouldn't it be exciting if there was someone here this morning who was hearing this for the first time? If, if you're hearing this for the first time, we are super glad that you are here. We really, really are. And I, and I hope that, that uh, God speaks to you here this morning. But for those of you who are ultra familiar with the story, your challenge will be, while I'm reading the Christmas story, your challenge will be not to build a traditional, traditional uh, nativity set in your mind. It, because that's not probably anything close to what, it, to what it looked like. I've been to Nazareth, and I've been to Bethlehem, I've been to both of those places, and neither of those places look like you know, anything close to what we uh, build for nativity sets. 
And uh, try not to picture five-year-old boys in bathrobes looking like shepherds and all of that. And while I'm reading the Christmas story this morning, I'm going to encourage you to, to hear this this morning as a love story. To hear it differently than maybe you've ever heard it before. Uh, to hear it as, this is God's pursuit of you. This is God's uh, best plan. This is his only plan to show you that he loves you, that he's not forgotten you, that he wants to restore the relationship with his people. And I want you to hear this this morning as a story about a gift that makes everything right. And I also want us to notice this morning, we're, we're reading Luke, and, uh, and Luke is a detail freak. Any detail freaks out there? One. Okay. Uh, if you are a detail freak and you just didn't want to raise your hand, you, you read the book of Luke. Because Luke goes to great lengths to put this in proper historical context. Luke wants everyone to know that this is not fairy tale. This is not make-believe. This is the real deal. And so he gives us a lot of detail. And I'd like for you to kind of notice the detail of that this morning. There is overwhelming evidence that Jesus existed. Okay, Regardless of... All the A&E or History Channel specials that come on this time of year, they just kind of, they put on the creepy music and they say, who was this Jesus? You know, trying to, trying to stir up uh, doubt and cause people to, to you know, kind of shake people up a little bit and wonder, yeah, oh, you know, is that, is, that, is that true? You know, where did all this stuff come from? Don't forget that many of the, the very first followers of Jesus, many of them were martyred for their faith. Because they had a face-to-face encounter with a resurrected Jesus. They knew that they weren't following a hoax. They had seen the real deal. You would not die for a hoax. You would not die for something that might be, maybe, sort of, kind of, iffy-ish. Yeah, I don't know. But if you had met and encountered the resurrected Jesus, you would know, well, I, I don't have a choice. I, I, I met him. He's... He's the real deal. So, let's look at Luke's account. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I wish I could read this with the voice of of Will Myers or David Way, but I can't. Anyhow, I'll do my best. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus, so again, Luke with the detail, right, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Again, When did this happen? Go back in the history books and look. This is when it all went down. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son, And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped 
snugly in in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. There's wonder. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And talk about Wonderland. Everywhere you turn or look in this story, you see things that cause us just to be in, in awe and in, in wonder of the story. And remember that Luke is doing his best to give us an accurate account that would stand the test of time. Luke wasn't the only person who wrote about this. There were other people in that day who were, you know, writing down all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and they're, they're, we don't have their accounts because, you know, they would write something and people would look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. I don't know if that doesn't line up with, with, with how I, you know, saw it or how I remember it happening. But Luke's account, we have it. Luke's gospel is here because the people of the day who received Luke's account looked at it and said, that's exactly how it happened. That's how it went down. Back to verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, we believe here at Moncton Wesleyan, Wesleyan churches everywhere, we believe that all of Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So as Luke is, is writing this, as Luke is, you know, capturing everything, we believe that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him and, and, and nudging him and stirring him and telling him what to write down for us. So as Luke is writing this, the Holy Spirit inspires him to tell us about the shepherds. Why? Why is it significant for the Holy Spirit to inspire Luke to tell us about a group of shepherds? Is it because five-year-old boys in bathrobes are really cute, standing in the Christmas play? Why is it? Luke wants us to know that all of the main events surrounding the birth of Jesus were God's way of saying, I don't care who you are or what your position is or what you've done or where you've been or how much money you have. I am coming to save everyone. Shepherds were on the the fringe of society in uh, this day and age. They were definitely spiritual outsiders. The law said that if you, were, if you had handled any, anything that was unclean, if you had handled anything that was dead, then you weren't allowed to enter the temple for worship. And shepherds, just in their daily routine, would always be handling something that was unclean or something that was dead. And so they were, they were a little bit of outsiders, and they were definitely spiritual outsiders. They could not enter the temple for worship. They couldn't get close. So if they had any... Uh, religious experience at all, if they had any God experience at all, it was from a distance. They were outsiders. And so we can see 
right from the very beginning, God is showing us that he's bringing Jesus for everyone, that everyone will be able to draw near. Everyone will be able to, to come close to God. Everyone will be able to have their own relationship with God. No one will be kept out. Jesus is coming to break down all of the traditions and all of the the man-made obstacles that keep people from coming to God. The the story of the shepherds, including them in the Christmas story, tells us that you don't have to clean up, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to act up. You can just come to God as you are, and that's how he will accept you. Regardless of who you are or where you've been, you can approach God. Jesus Christ like a shepherd that has just been given full access to God. And so for, for people in, that, in that, uh, that time period, I mean, it just would have been mind-blowing. Like the angels went to shepherds. You mean, you mean shepherds get to, to come to Jesus? They're not clean. And people would say, that's the whole point. Jesus came for, for everyone. He came for all of us. Verse 9, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now, I just like to imagine that angels in heaven, when, when they get a mission to come to earth, and, and God says, okay, I'm going to send you out to a, a group of shepherds in the middle of the night, pitch black. And uh, don't you think that the angels were like, this is going to be a hoot. This is, this, you know, wouldn't you think that they'd be looking forward to this? Like, this is going to, wait till you see their faces when we just, boof, you know, come out of the darkness. And, and why is it the angels always say, don't be afraid, right? Of, of course, you know, why would I not be afraid? You know, this happens all the time, you know? And uh, anyhow, I think, I just like to think that the angels enjoyed those little missions. Um, if I die before Pastor B, God forbid. But if I do, if I die before Pastor B, I hope that God will let me come back and scare that man to death. <laughs> scare, scare the holly right out of that guy. He, he loves scaring people. He loves terrifying people. If, if you see his vehicle and you come in here in the dark, he's hiding. I'm telling you, he is hiding somewhere and you'll reach for a light switch or you'll open a door and he'll grab you by the hand and, uh, or sometimes he just stands here at the pitch black and you'll walk by him and he'll just say, going somewhere? Like, <laughs> you're a sick man. He's like, this is not funny. So anyhow, just, just a little insight and into my world, you know, if, if I die before Pastor B, I hope I get to come back and scare the jelly out of him. He deserves it. Verse, <laughs> the second part of verse nine, the glory of the Lord surrounded them. You might experience God's presence today like never before. I, I, I truly hope that. I pray, pray that. That someone's here right now who, you know, maybe you're just here to, you know, Christmas checklist and going to church the Sunday before Christmas. Maybe you're here out of routine and you're thinking it's just another Sunday morning. And, and God's presence can, can come around you. And surround you. You might even be a little surprised this morning by the presence of God that you feel here in this place this morning. The glory of the Lord shining around you. And, and you, 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 you just know that it's, that it's real. And, and if that's happening to you this morning, then I would say the same thing to you that the angels said to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of God's presence. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. Don't be afraid of of how God might want to speak to you this morning or what God might want to say to you this morning. And you might feel his presence uh, surrounding you this morning. And if you do, then I would say don't be afraid. Why? Why why shouldn't I be afraid? It's there in verse 10 because he says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Good news. Great joy. All people. Good news of great joy for all people. Everything we do here at Moncton Weston is to help people see and understand and know that Jesus is good news. And if, if for some reason you, you're not sure about that, if for some reason you don't think that Jesus is good news, uh, if there's anything about the message of Jesus that, that doesn't strike you as good news, you know, maybe someone, maybe you've encountered uh, someone who called themselves a follower of Jesus and, and maybe they gave you a bad, uh, a bad idea of who Jesus is, a bad representation, a bad taste about who Jesus is. Maybe there's uh, something about a church or this church that doesn't strike you as good news. Maybe there's someone in the church that, that kind of messed that up for you and distorted that. Maybe you had a bad church experience and you don't see it as good news. This morning, I'd like to apologize uh, for that. I'd like to apologize for followers of Jesus or even for churches that, 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 that gave you a, a bad representation of who Jesus really is. You see, the church is made up of broken, messed up, self-centered, fully human people who have been given the mission of telling the world about Jesus, that Jesus is the good news. And my dream for Moncton Wesleyan Gang is that people would come here when they need good news. You agree? Wouldn't that be good? That, I mean, people are, we know people are starving for good news. People are literally dying for, for good news. People are, are, are hungry for good news. And, and my dream is that when someone is depressed or when someone is feeling like they're desperate for, for hope, uh, or for something positive, that they would choose to come to Moncton Westland, that they would, you know, that God would speak to them, or that God would put one of us in their path to invite them to church, or that something would make them think, I'm going to go to Moncton Westland. And when they come here, that they would hear the good news, that they would see the good news, that they would know that, there's, that there is good news available, when, when that people would choose this place over all their other options. I don't mean other going to other churches to hear about Jesus. I mean over drugs or alcohol or, or other ways of escaping reality that they would think, I'm going to go to Moncton Weston, that they can experience the good news, that when they come through our doors, that they would find and experience a culture that is so radically different from anything else they have ever experienced, that they would know right away, as soon as they walk in the front doors, that Jesus is good news. I don't mean a bunch of fake robots walking around with cheesy smiles. That's creepy. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. I mean a group, all of us, a group of fully 
redeemed people who have the joy of the Lord in them. And they want everyone to experience the love and the grace and acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's what I want this place to be. What makes it good news? What is so good about the good news of Christmas? Well, let's use the example of, of gift giving uh, first. Let's use, let's use that example. Earlier this week, a couple days ago, I did something totally crazy, and I did it for my wife, and, and that's the only reason I would do it. I got up early on Friday morning and went and stood in line and waited for Costco to open. If you were nudged to pray for your pastor on Friday morning, this is why. And so there I am, uh, waiting for Costco to open with, with you know, 50,000 other crazies. And uh, waiting for that place to open. And I'm thinking, can someone please tell me how we went from a baby wrapped in, in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. How did we go from that to 50,000 people trying to squeeze into a Costco to buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like? Like, what, what is going on in this world? And I like Costco. This is nothing against Costco. I mean, they're obviously doing a great job. I love Costco. I, I like the mall. I'm a mall rat. I could, I could live, I could spend a day at the mall. No problem at all. I, I like the mall and I like crowds. There's nothing, nothing against them. But, I mean, it was just thick. It was just swarmed. It was just slammed silly with people trying to buy the perfect gift for someone else. And when you give a gift, for the most part, you're, you want the person who receives the gift to like it. You want them to be surprised. Um, you want them to know that you, that you care, right? Then God used the word gift to describe sending his son Jesus into our world. Jesus is good news because God sent you a gift that, that is everything that you could possibly need. Peace and love and joy and forgiveness and hope and eternal life and everything, everything that you need in this life is in the gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to clear you. He came to clear you. He came to pay your debt, to be your once and for all sacrifice for all people for all time. And all in the original Greek means all. It's good news because Jesus came to penetrate the darkness, the deepest, darkest places of our lives, and to lead us into the light. Uh, Pastor Don preached about this last week. If you weren't here last Sunday because of weather or whatever, uh, I hope you'll go on the website and listen to Pastor Don's excellent message from last Sunday. Jesus came into the darkness to, to bring the light, to be the light. He didn't, Jesus didn't land on a Christmas parade float at Disney World. Are we losing power back here? Those lights are going up. If we lose power... My iPad will still work. And I will keep preaching. All right. I mean, you're here, you're, you know, going home now or going home 15 minutes from now. What's the difference, right? So you may as well stay. Jesus didn't land on a, on a parade float at Disneyland. God brought him into a brutal time and place in history, right into the darkness to show us 
that God's grace can reach and can change anyone. And that includes you. And that includes me. And God came to show us, brought his light into the darkest place in history to show us that Jesus is the light of the world. There's no darkness that can resist God's love. Some of you right now might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the darkness that's there. And I would say to you this morning to let God's light shine into your life. Invite it. Uh, Try His grace. And you'll find that grace is like water. It flows to the lowest point. And His grace can change anyone. There's no darkness that can resist God's love. Even Jesus being born literally in a hole in the wall, in a hole in the wall town, to a humble teenage girl, a carpenter for a father, and, and, and then some of the very first people invited to the party are shepherds. You know, a dirty bunch of shepherds, a grubby bunch of shepherds that get invited to the party. God's way of saying, this party's for anyone. This party's for everyone. Anyone is welcome to come to Jesus. It's good news because God is still inviting people to this, to this party. His offer still stands. Anyone who believes in Jesus and chooses Him as their Savior will be free from their sin. Anyone, let me read that again, anyone who believes in Jesus and chooses Him as their Savior will be free from their sin. And you will know the joy and the peace that comes from living a daily relationship with Jesus. Jesus is, following Jesus is not a, it's not a, just a check mark and a box. It's not something on your Christmas list. It's not something that you, you know, kind of nod to once a year at Christmas or t- twice a year, Christmas and Easter, and just kind of, yeah, whatever. It's a lifestyle that you choose following Jesus for the rest of your life. Let's go down to verse 16. Let's drop down to verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. There's the wonder. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought, there's some more wonder, and she thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Prior to this, it's just another, it's just another night. You're out on the hillside, you're doing your shepherd deal, and it's just another night. Watching where you step. And then they have this encounter with the presence of of the living God. And they're invited to meet Jesus face to face. And they do, and they meet him, they see him. And that could be happening to many of you here right now this morning, where you're like, whoa, baby, I think God is speaking to me. And I think I feel God's presence around me. 
And it says that the shepherds go back to where they were, what they were doing, but they're changed. This, now they go back and they're rejoicing. And they're, they're celebrating. They're saying, wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that incredible? We just met God's Son, the Messiah, the Savior of the earth. How cool is it that God would invite us, that we'd be some of the very first to, to see Jesus face to face. You see, once you meet Jesus face to face, you'll never be the same again. Christmas isn't about something or things. Christmas is about someone. His name is Jesus. God loved you so much that he sent, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever, whoever, anyone, all you all, whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I stand in awe of you this morning. I just stand in wonder of you and how how great you are, how good you are, how much you love us. And you love us enough to give us this opportunity right now on a snowy, icy, freezing, rainy Sunday before Christmas, 2013. We have an opportunity here in this moment to see Jesus face to face and to be surrounded by the glory and the presence, the radiance of the living God. And Lord, I pray specifically this morning right now for anyone here who has never taken that step. They've never crossed that line of faith. They've never come to the point where they said, Jesus, I believe that you are more than a historical figure. I believe that you are more than a seasonal figure. I believe that you are the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, that you're here right now, and I want to invite you to come into my life. And there may be many right now who are praying this prayer right along with me right now, saying, Jesus, I believe, and I want to receive you into my life. I believe you're God's son, born of a virgin. That you died on a cross, on a sinner's cross for my sin. And that three days later, you rose again. You were resurrected. And you're here right now. And I invite you to come into my life and power wash my soul. And forgive me of anything that, that I need to be forgiven of, anything there that's, that's between you and I, anything that's wrong. I invite you to search my heart. I won't hold anything back from you. I will surrender my all. And Jesus, I'm saying right now in this moment that this is not just a check mark on a list, but I will follow you and I will serve you with the rest of my life. And I'll look forward to spending eternity with you. So thank you, Jesus, for 
speaking to me this morning. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for coming into my life and for saving me this morning. Christmas Sunday morning, 2013. Thank you, Jesus.